welcome to the Halftime Huddle, a podcast for the gutsy woman calling Australian sport their own. I'm Taylor. And I'm Sarah. And today we chat to the bubbly Beck Allen. She is one of Australia's most successful female basketballers and splits her time between playing for us with the Opals and in the WNBA for New York Liberty. Beck is an absolute breath of fresh air. And for those of us stuck inside again in Melbourne, this is one you'll want to hear. She has made some pretty tough calls in her professional career recently, which just makes her even more relatable. We felt so light and inspired having chatted to Beck, and we know you will too. Here she is. So Beck, thanks so much for joining us today. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who Beck Allen is? Oh, that is a broad question. Um, so I'm a basketball player. I'm a professional. I've been playing. Uh, I played in the WNBL. That's where I started. My Most of my career I played for Melbourne Boomers. And then it was 2015 where I got my first WNBA contract and I played for New York. So I've, I've played for New York for five years now. And then within that same time, I've been playing in Europe. So I'm playing like the summers, well, the American summers in the WNBA and then over in the winter in Europe. So it's sort of been a bit of um, lifestyle changes rapidly, you know, and having just to adapt to all of that. But I, I really enjoyed my life. It's been, um, it's been hard at times, but there's been a lot of reward. Talking about um, <laughs> different stages of life and adaptability, what's your life looking like right now? With so- the world is in such an odd state at the moment and particularly changes with um, live sport. What's your life looking yeah. like right now? I mean, it's so difficult and it's funny because I go, you know, so many people are suffering worse than how I am at this point. So it's like a lot of perspective goes into how you're thinking. But in the same way, like my, my job has been put on hold, I guess. I chose to opt out of the WNBA season. It would have been my sixth year, but I just felt that for me, health always comes first. And I think that I consider myself a high risk. Anyone that's going to be traveling international at this point, I believe is a high risk. So I decided to not go play in Florida. And I don't know, now I'm just having to make my own routine. I think routine is important for any job, whether you're an athlete or in the the real world, I'll call it. Yeah, I'm just trying to make sure I'm getting my workouts in all the time. And um, yeah, just figuring it out myself. Yeah, definitely. And you were playing for the New York Liberty team. Well, during the pandemic, we're still going through it now, but New York was one of the hardest hit cities. So completely Mm. understand why you made that decision. But was it hard to make the decision to not play in the WNBA season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the hardest decisions I've made um, regarding basketball um, within my life because I never thought that I would ever opt out of a WNBA season. It's one of the best leagues in the world. Like, it's something that I'm extraordinarily proud to play in and to have played for that same team for as long as I have. And also my role within that team was going to be even greater this year. You know, um, I had a bit of a leadership role. I was going to, you know, just having some, I would have been one of the longest serving players on that team from, you know, of, of the six years. So, yeah, it was really difficult. And also just to forego a salary, you know, I now like currently am not getting an income. So, I mean, that's a lot of, you know, you've got to ask yourself all the questions of, is it worth it for the money? Is it worth it for, you know, whatever your priorities are? So, yeah, it was a really, it was a really difficult decision. It's a big sacrifice. Absolutely. And I can imagine that, you know, so many of us have been let go or made redundant or had reduced hours. And for you, you sort of haven't had that sort of staging process. It was either you fly overseas and play the whole season or you stay home and don't play at all. That's a that's a pretty radical decision yeah. to have to make. It is, it is, yeah. Yeah. 
But let's rewind from uh, the international stage of basketball and talk mm -hmm. about how you got started in basketball. How did, how did your passion for basketball come about? I honestly love this question because it, it makes me extraordinarily relatable because I'm doing a, the grassroots um, pathway like what every other kid is doing, you know, and, and it's great to show that, hey, if you do follow that path, like you can be successful or in, in whatever level you choose to go to, you know. Um, so I started off at Hawthorne Magic, was honestly my first club, and then I moved to Nanawati. So um, Nanawati Spectres is like my family. I, I love that club. I've got, it holds a dear place in my heart for sure. And I played my whole juniors through there. And then that's when I, um, you play, you know, your state. So I played for Vic Metro and then you play for your junior Australian team. And that's how you start getting seen on that international level. And then you go play WNBL. So I just think that like when kids are saying, you know, how do I become professional? I'm like, you you're starting within your club. Mine was none of what inspectors. It could, it could be anywhere. And it's also just a, a place where I've just made so many great friendships. Back in the days, obviously I wasn't as good as you, but I, <laughs> no. I was chosen to play in Hawthorne Magic as well. Uh, we could have been teammates. We could have been teammates. We could have been teammates. And I'm thinking about it now. I've got regrets. I could have been traveling the world playing basketball in New York. Exactly. But Beck, as a teenager, you had two shoulder reconstructions and you spent a lot of time yeah. in AIS in the treatment and rehab facilities. How did you get yeah. through that and make it professionally? Because that's huge for a teenager. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I, I mean, my whole career has been riddled with injury, if I'm honest. But I guess it's just part of being an athlete. I mean, I'm not the only person that's had had their injuries. And I've just been lucky just to have a really supportive family, supportive friends. And I mean, I've also, my mindset's gotten better, I think, with injuries and how I handle them. I remember my first shoulder Rico, um, I got really, really flat. It's really hard when you have to stop and, you, you know, your, your name is getting bigger around the basketball world and all of that. And then you have to stop and you're watching everyone around you get better. And I realized that's not the mindset to have. I've, I've learned to, okay, you're injured. Yes, you're going to have to go hard into the rehab but you need to enjoy your life in the moments that you aren't working out, you know, as well. Like it's, it's all about focus. It's all about the mental side. Like, it's crazy how important um, I believe that to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was going to be my next question and how you mentally stay on track when you're progressively becoming more and more well-known. And then, as you said, building up from juniors, the more senior you get, the more serious the opportunities become to, to play internationally yeah. and, and make it into a career how did you yeah. learn to separate you know normal everyday life back with your family and friends and then basketball back I mean I like to think I'm the same person in every place I go I, I love consistency in people and I think that I, I bring that um I don't know for me it's even just learning like it's as you said like the more professional you get I think that there's different pressures like going to play in Europe um I mean, you're expected to be at a certain level every game. You're, you're, you're the foreign player. Like, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're meant to be doing well, <laughs> just to put it in a nice way, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, like, dealing with that pressure was quite, was quite difficult, I think, in my first year, was just getting my head around it. But then you've also got to have that, that level of self-confidence, I think, and then just knowing, hey, yeah, I am good enough. I deserve to be that player. And then it's just, like, that's where you see yourself grow, I guess. But in terms of balancing that with myself off the court, I like to think like when I'm on the court, yes, I have this huge white line fever and you see like a whole different side of me. 
Um, <laughs> but I like to think I'm just the fun-loving um, person off the court as well. So, yeah, yeah. no, that, that's, that's me. Yeah. Playing basketball in America, like I know basketball is huge over there and it's a lot mm. of well, Australian basketballers' dreams. I know you briefly mentioned a little bit about how you started playing for the New York Liberty team, but how did that become a reality? Yeah, I actually, I was on, I was with the Australian team and we were touring America and we were playing a whole lot of the WNBA teams in their pre-season. So they were doing training camp and they were, yeah, scrimmaging us. And I honestly had a really great, um, I'm going to call it a tournament, I guess. So in all those games, that's how I got noticed um, over there. So it's sort of funny how you just never know who's watching or where your opportunities might come from. Because for me, it was in that in that tour that I, um, yeah, I definitely landed my, my gig in New York. And I, I didn't even play New York. That's the funny part. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. It goes to show just how, like, the scouts do their job. But I know how you said that you decided not to play well this season because of the whole coronavirus pandemic. But does your decision mm. that you made this year for not playing, will it affect your position next year? I mean, it's funny is that I've spoken to a lot of other players who are a bit younger, I guess, in that league. And I think you're going to always question your position regardless if you play or if you don't play. I think, again, it's just having that confidence in what you bring to a team is different to what other people bring. For me, what I feel really lucky about and is quite special is like New York have really always looked after me. They've always been very good to me. I do understand that everything is a business. But, yeah, I'm just going to trust in um, the player I am and what I bring and then... Yeah, hopefully New York is for me next season. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's everything is so uncertain at the moment. I know that that's a real exactly. buzz phrase at the moment. But mm-hmm. um, you would have to think that, you know, hopefully there's a bit of a clean slate for everyone once we get through this. I, I do think, I fully believe that everyone's muddling through the best they can. So you would hope yeah. that it doesn't it doesn't affect that next year. And and you've you've been part of the teams for, for quite a while now. And as you said, you've got leadership position. And so you would like to think that it wouldn't affect it, I bet. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But let's move on from the pandemic now because we don't mm-hmm. want to leave your career in a shadow of this ridiculous topic that we <laughs> no. talk about constantly. I know I'd like to stop talking about it once in a while. <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> now, I've heard that you have a nickname, Spider. Can you tell us about oh, that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of funny. I got that nickname um, in under 14. So I, I was a baby whilst I was playing out there, but I was so lanky and... I sort of still am, to be honest with you. It's like I haven't grown into my arms at all. So I was doing a post move or my coach was teaching me a post move and I just had arms and legs going everywhere. And he just, <laughs> that's where he pulled out that nickname for me. And um, it's stuck. That's the crazy thing is that, I mean, more so in Australia, I don't get called it overseas at all. But yeah, like it, it's, it's so funny how nicknames do stick with you. When I first heard that your nickname was Spider, like I, I reckon that's a great nickname nickname for you now that you've explained it. But I thought when you said Spider, it was like that you you could move anywhere because you like your legs could um go from one position to another really quickly. <laughs> I wished I wish that was the reason. Maybe I should start telling people about that. Now. It sounds way better. Yeah, exactly. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Absolutely. You said that. Everyone in Australia calls you Spider, but it doesn't really translate to the overseas competition. What else mm-hmm. are the differences between playing 
playing for the Opals and, and playing overseas? Um, firstly, I just like love the Opals family. Um, it's just this culture that I think you only get in Australia. There's just something <laughs> about playing, you know, with your sisters and, and playing in that sort of environment that is super special. But then you go to America and my biggest thing that shocked me is it's not the coaches necessarily who are calling you out, it's your teammates. So your teammates are riding you to make you better, to make you grow and they'll always, you know, call you out. And for me, that was a huge shock because I, I think whenever it's your teammates yelling at you, you're like, that's the last person you want to let down, you know? Um, but then that's also just having to change your mindset to be like, no, they're just wanting the best out of me, you know? Um, so that took a long time to grow and be okay with, I think. Um, and then translating from, so I'm a bench player. I've always been a bench player in the WNBA, but then my minutes have like grown, you know, each year, which has been really great. But then going straight from that to going to Europe and being, you know, the star player, it's been, it's like an adjustment in itself of just, again, switch your mind over and be like, you know, you, you want the ball, you want to be the scorer, you want to be, you know, the person who gets all the deflections and guarding their best player on the other team. So I think just going from different styles and what your role is, is a, is a big adjustment. What's it like representing your country well, all over the world? Because I know in 2018, you won the world championships for Australia. What was that feeling mm. like? We got, um, we got silver. We got silver at the world champs. And that was awesome to be a part of my Last one that I was at was um, we were in Istanbul as well. We got a bronze medal and then I missed out on the, the last Olympics. So I'm, I'm wanting this next Olympics to come around quicker than you know. Um, <laughs> it's just something I, I think once I tick that off my bucket list, I'll be a really happy person. Um, and I've worked extraordinarily hard for it. But yeah. representing your country, I, I've said to multiple people, when you're singing the national anthem, and it sounds like nothing, I, I think sometimes where you know, you mentioned that to someone else, they're like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just your country's anthem. But you're like, it's so special when you're not hearing it very often, especially when I'm not in the country a lot. And then before a game, you've got your arms around your teammates and you're singing that, um, that song. It's just, it's extraordinarily powerful and it's actually quite emotional. So yeah, I, I don't know, playing for my country is, is a huge, a huge thing for me. With everyone playing across different international competitions, I suppose, as we've alluded to, unfortunately, it would appear that the basketball competition is much bigger in the USA than in Australia. I suppose you guys playing for the Opals and then and then going over it and playing for different teams in the US or, or playing in Europe, obviously, there's a lot of oscillation between teams. Mm. Is it difficult to go from competing against someone to then being their teammate possibly in the same year? No, it's also a really nice thing. And that's what I find funny is I've now got sort of friends all over the world or I'm joining in with this Spanish team this European season. And I already know a lot of the girls just by playing against them. And there's that just sense of respect as well, um, which is really quite nice. But then coming back and bursting against, you know, your Australian teammates and then playing with them for the Opals is also just so nice. It's funny because, you know, I was watching the the last dance, <laughs> which is, you know, on, on Michael Jordan and all that. And they were mentioning Luke Longley as well. And like he would always make a, a make a thing of whenever he's playing in Australia, you know, he'd take them out for dinner. And I think that that's a real Australian thing in general. I know whenever I'm playing somewhere, I will always catch up with the Aussie, whether I know them well or not, you know? I think that that's just a really beautiful thing as well. Do seasons ever collide? Like, and if they do, how do you choose what match you're going to play? 
They do. There's actually usually a bit of a crossover. So the European season, depending on where you're playing, like when I was playing in France, their playoffs went quite late. Like the French season goes on forever and ever. Um, but then that would always go into the training camp of the WNBA season. So I remember I joined in their training camp in the last two days of it. So I was, again, very grateful to make that team considering I only had that amount of time there. But some some leagues go even later as well and they miss the first couple of games of the season. But, I mean, you're going to be there for the playoffs of the team that you've been there with the entire season. You can't miss out on the the biggest games of the of the season, you know. So I think it's just known, okay, there's a tiny crossover. But, yeah, I mean, it's always hard with that because sometimes you just need that second just to, you know, decompress after finishing one year and then moving into the next. Um, but sometimes you don't really get that luxury. Yeah. Do you struggle with not getting that time off? And do you get time to come home and relax? And do you call America home or Australia home? No, definitely Australia home. That will never change. Um, and, yes, I do struggle with that. It's, it's probably the hardest part for me. So when we're even talking about this pandem- pandemic, I'm so sorry for going back to it. But it's been a blessing in disguise for me. Like, let's talk about the pandemic. No, it's been a blessing in disguise because it's been able, it's been a time for me just to, I guess, reconnect with myself, with my family, with friends when I can, when I was able to see them, I guess. Um, Mm. But it's been nice just for my body and my mind um, because I've been needing it for quite a while. And yeah, so I think that that is a hard part of playing. Even though it sounds amazing that you're a world traveler and you're playing for all the different leagues, like I'm sure a lot of people uh, would love to to be in your position, but it would be, like it's taxing as well. Like it's tiring. Yeah, no, it it is. And I think that that's something is um, underestimated because sometimes it sounds so glamorous to be traveling the world, but there's a lot that people don't see, I guess, where it is quite a tough lifestyle. I mean, in Europe, you're doing these huge bus trips to games and you're traveling through the night and you get back at, you know, well, sometimes you get back at 7am in the morning. And so as the sun's sort of been coming up, you're going into bed. Like it's quite a grueling lifestyle, particularly Europe, I'm going to say. But it's also big. I've grown so much as an athlete by doing it. I suppose in terms of letting your body rest and, you know, really seizing the silver lining of this time where we're forced to be in lockdown and have some time to relax. Are you um, still maintaining hardcore training and what are you doing to maintain your body condition while you're not playing and possibly not sure when you will be playing again yeah I've been doing a lot in terms of just like following online things like I love Pilates like I love it so much and now I think like the I, I use a call plus is where I go and they've done a lot of this online community ah, I, do that I, too. I love it I'm obsessed with it so I'm always doing those and I think that that was just a brilliant idea by them you know oh, I bet so you don't sweat as much as I do when I do them it's so I'm, hard you'll be shocked I was in a class the other day and like I was the only one that was having to stop because <laughs> I saw <laughs> these muscles that you just don't use that you don't realize you know and um, you're like sitting in your lounge room red in the face panting and you're like oh. I don't know what is going on <laughs> Yeah, look, sometimes you can just cut out the cardio element of <laughs> no, but the soundtracks I, are great think, too. Oh, they're great. Honestly, they've set that up so well. But like even just going out to an oval and doing running sessions, like I've been lucky that the Opals strength and conditioning person has given us all these really great running programs, skipping programs. I do some boxing. So I just try to keep variation. I think that's the biggest thing as well. 
what does the state of basketball look like, like obviously in this odd time for the world? I know you've briefly mentioned it um, and how you said that you're not participating um, in the uh, WNBA this year over in, mm. well, Florida, because there's a, there's a hub. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? I, I honestly don't know. That's, that's the hardest thing is, like, I can't even explain what I think because it just seems to keep changing. Like, the landscape is always changing. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, it's just, like, following the cases and seeing, like, where we're at here in, in Melbourne, um, seeing how they're going in Spain. That's where my next stop is going to be. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't even answer that question, which is a bit sad. <laughs> No, it's, and it, I mean, it, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the unknown and it, that's yeah. probably part of the reason that you didn't go. <laughs> yes, you know, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I think the um, the nature of it being in America, obviously um, the pandemic's hit the USA very, very hard, much harder than Australia, but there's also been some really intense political things going on in America and we don't want to get too deep into anything that people feel uncomfortable answering, but... Um, yeah. Last week, the WNBA did announce that the players will be wearing warm-up uniforms that display the Black Lives Matter slogan on the front and say her name on the back. So it's a new initiative, which obviously you're aware of, but it's, it's, in my opinion, a really impressive nod to, you know, huge sporting bodies' responsibility for social justice. So what's your thoughts on this? And and is that something that you commonly see across basketball in general? The crazy thing is that it hasn't been a new initiative because uh, in 2016 we um, we also wore the black the black shirts that said Black Lives Matters on it and we got fined um, every game that we wore them. So it's been great that now you know the league is on board and they're willing to work with the players in in building this you know social justice platform. So um, yeah, I'm really impressed by how the WNBA are handling it, how the players um, union are doing it as well. I think everything hasn't been decided by one player. It's a collective and it's everyone's wanting to be involved in creating a better tomorrow. I guess that's the way that I want to put it. For me, my, like personally, it's been great just to be educated on all this. I feel like I'm never going to understand what, you know, my like black athletes around me or, you know, not even athletes um, have experience over in America, in Australia, wherever else in the world. But it's been just good to be able to ask questions, to have these conversations, because that's the only way that you can start to create change, because it's not okay. But yeah, I mean, being white, like I, I'm choosing to listen, to hear and to and speak up. Yeah, the three of us are all in a similar position. I suppose that's where the importance of giving people that have experienced it or, um, are in a position where they may experience it of handing over the microphone to them. And, uh, you know, it's possibly a time for the three of us as, you know, um, well-off, white, educated, middle-class women to step back and and offer our assistance to them. But it's not necessarily a position where we can have our own firm opinion on it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly right. But even with the Australian Opals, we also took a stand with you know, our governing body of Basketball Australia and then, you know, we're trying to create that platform as well. I mean, you hear a lot of people saying, you know, stay in your lane, Um, don't talk, don't bring politics into sport and I just find that comment extraordinarily ignorant. I I think that why you're allowed to have an opinion, you're allowed to stand up for what you believe in. If it's you as a person, you feel strongly for something, then you should be able to speak out about it and I think it's those people that choose to remain silent in a moment like this or in a time like this 
um, that's the problem. And sport's such a vehicle for bringing people together. You know, that's together it's, exactly. It's that's you know, it's difficult because sporting bodies often transcend any other factor that separates people. So, of course, while you don't want to make something that people watch for enjoyment, of course, you don't want to make it too serious and hurt people. But by the same token, if it's you know, if it's the only vehicle that's going to help people to understand, then, you know, I personally, I think that it's really valuable for them to weigh in on it. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. What's next for you? What's next for me? My eyes are right now and what I'm working on fitness-wise and everything is Spain playing for Valencia. It's a massive opportunity for me and I'm really excited about it. And then it's really like my whole like being is set on the Olympics. Like I just... That's where a lot of my focus is. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a massive year. But the next thing is also in 2022, we've got the World Championships that are held in Sydney. So um, I'm wanting to get as much, you know, noise and visibility out about that because it's huge for us. It's huge for women's basketball. It's huge for basketball in general here in this country. So, yeah, that's going to be massive and an opportunity for friends and family to get out and watch as well. Yeah, that would be fantastic. What a huge opportunity um for sydney as well it's such a huge, huge. International sport. that'd be great for them yeah yeah so when is, yeah um, exactly when's valencia set to be um so a lot of the spanish girls are already there but, um but the, their season starts october october 1st hopefully yeah. she's yeah. able to fly out in time yeah i should be able to fly out i was able to fly out for this american season so i'm not worried about that it's just yeah it's, it's just getting everything the logistics working out they seem to be mastering the different sort of hub systems and everything for the international sports. So I'm sure yeah. it'll be, yeah, sorted. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. It's been fantastic to have a chat to you. And I know that we just sort of went a bit <laughs> deeper into the political side of things, which normally isn't what we do, but um, it's been really fantastic to chat to you and absolutely look forward to seeing how you go in Spain, but also when, if and when the when the Olympics happens, we'll say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Merrick. Can't wait to just to watch uh, see where you go. Oh, I appreciate that so much. It was so nice talking to you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Halftime Huddle. Please like, subscribe and rate us to help connect more like-minded listeners. And stay up to date with what we're up to on our Instagram page at Halftime Huddle Pod. We'll be back in your ears next week with another fresh episode.